This is Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM. I'm Jillian Parks. With me today is Scott Walter of Capital Research Center. Welcome, Scott. Thank you for joining us today. Um, can we maybe just start by talking a little bit about what Capital Research Center is? What are y'all um, aiming to do? Sure. Uh, we're a think tank in Washington, D.C., and we're about uh, almost 40 years old at this point. And we have a very fun mission. Uh, in shorthand, we say that our mission is to investigate the left deeply and expose it widely. So we study uh, left-wing donors, left-wing foundations, activist groups, movements like the Green New Deal and the like. Interesting. Can you tell me what, maybe explain the term think tank to me a little more? Sure. Uh, it's something uh, hardly known outside of Washington, D.C., so you should be very suspicious. Gotcha. Uh, but although, do you know, the term goes all the way back to Aristophanes and the nice. clouds. Um, uh, Socrates is said to have a think tank. I believe Tom West, Professor Tom West's translation of the clouds is available in the bookstore. And gotcha, uh, we'll I gotcha. will explain a little, bit of, uh, little bit about that. The idea was it's a place where people go to, to think, as it were. Um, in our case, we call ourselves an investigative think tank, so gotcha. we do more in the terms of investigations. But other think tanks would be like the American Enterprise Institute, mm -hmm. the Brookings Institution. Those are two of the oldest Washington, D.C. think tanks. They do exist elsewhere. The Hoover Institution is at Stanford, um, and there are a few other places like that. Uh, the real crude reason for their existence and for more of them being conservative uh, than the opposite is that all those conservative professors – uh, who couldn't find a place for themselves in academe uh, needed jobs, gotcha. and so they got jobs at think tanks, uh, which are less intolerant uh, than our institutions of higher learning. Gotcha. Uh, what inspired the birth of this organization? Like when and how was it founded? Uh, it was founded in the first half of the 80s, and uh, really there were two reasons. One was uh, that there wasn't nearly enough investigation and reporting being done on the huge left-wing donors. I mean, things like the Ford Foundation, mm -hmm. uh, MacArthur Foundation, these are gigantic, fabulously wealthy entities, um, and, and literally billionaires, all with the same last name, Foundation. Uh, and they were, they were doing lots of unsavory things that weren't being paid attention to. And then the, uh, the other side of it was that uh, what's called the problem of donor intent, okay? So um, the Ford Foundation is very left-wing. Henry Ford, whose money it enjoys to this day, was not. Uh, similarly, the Rock uh, John D. Rockefeller, he was a grumpy Baptist from the Midwest and a businessman. Uh, he was no crazy left-winger the way that his foundation has become. Mm -hmm. And same with Andrew Carnegie and on and, and James. I mean, I've met people who knew James MacArthur of the James MacArthur Foundation. Uh, and again, he was not a left winger at all. He was a he was a grumpy rich guy in Palm Beach. And uh, so the problem of donor intent is mm -hmm. that the intentions of those donors are hideously ignored mm -hmm. by the people who now get to sit on top of their billions of dollars. And that was another thing that Capital Research Center was supposed to help with, um, the uh, both exposing the badness of the past yeah. and warning uh, future donors don't make the same mistakes that these guys did. Yeah. Um, what is the medium through which y'all do the exposing? Is this like is this print journalism that's happening? Is this through um, 
like podcasting or radio? Like what is what does that look like? Well, uh, it is everything in a way. Uh, we actually do still do a print magazine, mm-hmm. although that's mainly for donors who tend to be uh, older folks who still gotcha. like paper. Um, so we, we have the magazine. Uh, but we also have a weekly podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also have, uh, I think at this point, we're up to five or six websites. But the two, the two big ones are capitalresearch.org, mm-hmm. which is the main site. And you can sign up for a weekly email that will give you the highlights of our research mm-hmm. each week. Um, and then there's also influencewatch.org. That is an online Wikipedia of special influences. So it, And again, it's everything I just rattled off. It's uh, donors, both persons and institutions. It's activist groups, activist leaders, uh, movements, uh, and, oh, I should add unions, which, by the way, are and everyone forgets, right? You sort of vaguely heard of 501c3s and 501c4s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, guess what a 501c5 is? What it's is a union. It? There we go. It's a union. And unions, of course, are the still the 800-pound gorilla of American politics. Mm. They fund virtually all left-wing activist groups. And, of course, they themselves are profoundly uh, influential in public policy. The teachers' unions bear more blame than the Biden administration for the horrors of, uh, of K-12 education for the last year. Can you walk me through the process of uncovering a big story? How does it start? Um, how is it propelled? How does it finish? That sort of thing. Um, well, the, that's, that's a great question. Let me think, let me think here uh, for a moment mm-hmm. of a story. Um, uh, here's, a fun, uh, here's a fun example maybe. So uh, a few years ago, uh, when Mr. Justice Kennedy had announced that he'd be retiring from the Supreme Court, so it's sort of an analogy to, to where we are today, you, you have an, a retirement announced from a Supreme Court justice. And um, this now, in this case, it's the seat that ended up being taken by Brett Kavanaugh, but he had not even been named yet, nominated yet. Uh, so a longtime friend at the Senate Judiciary Committee called me up one morning and said that uh, we here at the we Republicans here on the Senate Judiciary Committee, um, that Chairman Grassley and the committee and President Trump were all being savagely attacked everywhere, radio, TV, online, um, by uh, something called demand justice, and n- nobody's ever heard of it. We don't know. You know, can you, can you help us? Can you tell us what this is or what we should do? And I said, uh, well, I'll be honest, I've never heard of them either, but we can do something. So I called, uh, I, I was actually out traveling um, at the time, uh, and I called my, uh, one of my top researchers, and I said, go find out um, what this thing is. And within a couple of hours, he had discovered that the reason no one had heard of it was it was only two or three months old, but he'd been able to tell that it was started with money from George Soros. Um, he was able to tell me who its leaders were, the previous positions they'd held and other groups they'd been active with, what their strategy was, um, uh, and the rest. And he emailed that to me, and I sent it off to the uh, Senate Judiciary Committee staffer who was trying to understand this. And uh, she was thrilled to be able to understand who this army of people attacking mm-hmm. um, them were. And uh, now, but we don't do... We're, you know, we, think tanks are about educating the public. Our mission is educating yeah. the public. So it happened that we got started on this because somebody, because I got that phone call, but we weren't remote. I didn't do that just to help somebody at a Senate committee. Yeah. My my guy who had dug, who'd made the dossier 
immediately turned that into an entry on influencewatch.org. And again, think of it as we, it looks like Wikipedia, it reads like Wikipedia, mm-hmm. very objective, heavily sourced, footnoted. And so by the end of the day, he had turned his research into an entry there. And for the entire rest of that summer, when there was the brutal fight over Brett Kavanaugh's nomination, the number one Google search result for Demand Justice was our write-up on Influence Watch ahead of their own website, I'm proud to say. Now, Hank, I think these days, I think their Facebook page and donation page uh, uh, are um, uh, above us in the, in the list. But we're still on page one nice. um, explaining where they came from. This is Radio Free Hillsdale, 101.7 FM. I'm Jillian Parks, and I'm talking with Scott Walter of Capital Research Center. So when that wasn't the end of the story either, um, what he discovered in digging into the way that they operate is that they're really just what we call a pop-up group. You've heard of pop-up stores, yeah. right? Well, pop-up groups um, are where it's not an independent nonprofit, right? Mm-hmm. If you're a nonprofit like Hillsdale or like my think tank, you know, you can go to the IRS website and you can say, I want to see their IRS filing of Hillsdale or Capital Research Center, and you can see what their budgets are, and mm-hmm. how much money they raised, and what the biggest donations were, amounts were for, and their vendors, and their boards of directors, and on and on, mm-hmm. salaries of top employees, and all the rest. Well, um, that isn't, there's no such thing for, uh, there was no such thing for Demand Justice. It was just a pop-up group of this uh, enormously powerful and wealthy, but very under the radar, entity called Arabella Advisors, which is a for-profit that operates a number of big nonprofits. And those nonprofits, in turn, pop up groups as they're needed by the hundred. There literally are hundreds of, of groups like that. Now, Demand Justice is a rare instance, I have to, to, to be completely accurate. In the last year or two, Demand Justice finally actually was spun off, and it now does is its own separate entity. Gotcha. And it will eventually file its own IRS filings, saying so there'll, there'll be more transparency to it. But there was none at the time, and nobody had written about Arabella Advisors. The New York Times, the Washington Post, even though they were very powerful and influential in politics behind the scenes, no one had ever written about them. So we dug this up, and now I hope a lot of your advise, your, your listeners rather will have vaguely heard of Arabella Advisors. Mm-hmm. Um, because guess what? How much money their nonprofits took in in 2020, the last year? There's there's data available. How much? 1.7 billion dollars. Jeez, that's incredible. Um, have you ever gotten any like major backlash from any of these stories or um, things that you've uncovered? Well, we work enormously hard. You know, if we were le- if we were le- uh, on the left side, we could make a lot of errors and mistakes and this, that, and the other, and there wouldn't be any accountability yeah. for us. But, <laughs> but we don't have that luxury. Mm-hmm. So we strive to bat a thousand in in accuracy, and we actually have had very little uh, serious criticism because we are educating the public with facts. And if those facts are inconvenient for certain people. That's not my problem. Mm-hmm. Is there like a legal aspect to it, or just because you're so thorough, has there never been any um, issues with that sort of thing? Well, uh, the main thing is is the accuracy. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it is very hard to attack people uh, who t- who simply tell the truth and document it. Mm. What is the most challenging part of working with CRC or working on CRC? Um, well, one of the most challenging things is how well hidden the other side is. And then the other thing is how uninterested 
the major media still are in stories. I mean, uh, one of our the things that we helped to we were one of the very first people ever to expose the so-called Zuckbucks, the the hundreds of millions of dollars that Mark Zuckerberg put into Nash, the, the 2020 elections mm-hmm. um, to influence those elections. Now, even if you were to think that it was perfectly legit and thank God it saved the nation from the second Donald Trump term and all, okay, fine, you can think all that, but it's a fascinating story that one single tech billionaire gave hundreds of millions of dollars, which went into local election offices in 47 states in the District of Columbia. In mm-hmm. fact, was enormously influential in Michigan's elections, right where we're sitting, and go. Wisconsin next door, and Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. Georgia. So. That ought to be something that's absolutely fascinating, even if it's completely legit and and wonderful. But you know, there's been incredibly little reporting on that. Now we have mm-hmm. our, you know, you could read thousands and thousands of words on our websites. Again, absolutely documented. I mean, we literally put our data and spreadsheets online. You can crunch the numbers. You're, maybe we got it wrong. Here's our spreadsheet. Yeah. You crunch the numbers. Um, but you know, the New York Times has never uh, done a serious story. About yeah. it. They did a little bit before the election that mentioned the fact that the two uh, public charities, legally speaking, that got those hundreds of millions are both run by left-wing ideologues with political backgrounds. Yeah. They mentioned that in passing um, a m- couple of months before the election, but there's been no serious reporting on it since. Yeah. Why is it important that the public knows what, um, what is being done with these like billionaires or giant companies, what they're doing with their money? Why is that important for the public to know? Uh, well, first of all, uh, I'll push the hypocrisy button. So plenty of left-wingers insist that dark money and, and money in politics and billionaires is just a terrible, terrible thing. Mm-hmm. Um, in which case, well, okay, if that's true, then you should certainly be interested in our stuff. And how come, Senator, you're not uh, using our reports you um, in your complaints? And then the, uh, the other thing is that if for, for anybody who wants to fight back, you know, some, you know it is a fight. And Sun Tzu was a very wise man, and he said the two great pillars for victory are, first, you have to know yourself, but the other thing is you have to know the enemy. Mm -hmm. So anybody who wants to fight all of this left-wing ideology had better understand the very complex and ingenious mechanisms uh, by which it uh, puts out its firepower. No, absolutely. Your website, I was looking through it, just reading through it, just to get an idea of what y'all do. Uh, It uses the term crony capitalists in describing the type of people that you're, um, or kinds of people that you're targeting. Um, Can you further describe that term for me and maybe the effect they have on our society as a whole? Sure. Um, uh, I think that uh, libertarianism is a somewhat inadequate philosophy, but when I was uh, young and irresponsible, I was (laughs) uh, a libertarian, and the first serious book I ever read without being forced to Mm -hmm. was uh, Milton Friedman's classic Free to Choose, uh, which is I highly recommend. Uh, I learned an enormous amount from it. Mm -hmm. He was a wonderful man and great book. And one of his cardinal teachings was that one of the biggest reasons to be against big government is because it always ends up being captured by big business. People forget. Adam Smith did not say every businessman is trustworthy and wonderful, (laughs) and nor did did Milton Friedman. And so... Crony capitalism is, is, is the uh, uh, fun name for the problem that Milton Friedman was pointing at, namely that um, uh, big businesses will try to use big government to defend themselves and hurt 
their competition. Mm -hmm. And free markets are only free and are only valuable when there really is good, honest uh, competition in the marketplace. And of course, uh, we see every day how the big social media companies, how the big entertainment companies and the rest, they have massive influence and power over our society to the point of even silencing mm. huge swaths of that society. And so that is very dangerous. And that, uh, that kind of collaboration between businesses and governments uh, is a threat to everyone. By the way, it's a threat to the left, too. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, hardcore lefties are just as big a critic. It's the sort of squishy lefties who have six- and seven-figure salaries yeah. at these companies. They're fine with it. Mm -hmm. But honest, poor, struggling radicals are just as upset as any right-winger. This is Radio Free Hillsdale, 101.7 FM. I'm Jillian Parks, and I'm talking with Scott Walter of Capital Research Center. You said that this um, organization was founded in the late 80s, right? Mid-80s, so, yeah. Mid-80s. Mm -hmm. So it's been about 40 years or so. Um, Almost. Give or take. Um, how has the organization evolved or changed just with um, the culture changing and with um, more exposure and that sort of thing? Well, uh, I was just I had the pleasure of talking to one of John Miller's journalism classes. Mm -hmm. And um, I was saying to them that uh, I took over about uh, seven years ago and the very first thing I did on my first day was put the sharpest public relations firm on retainer um, and have them start redoing everything that was our marketing side. So rebuilding websites, restarting social media accounts, this, that, and the other. Because um, a criticism I would have of the conservative side of things is we love data and research. And there is there's certainly a role for that. But it is you know, that is a product and you should have a very fine product. But products can be magnificent. If they're not marketed, they're still worthless. Mm -hmm. So um, if anybody wants to fight for conservatism, mm -hmm. he needs to not only know how to find facts and package them well, but then also how to market them well. Yeah, interesting. Um, just before we wrap up entirely, do you have a personal favorite story that you uncovered or that was uncovered um, under CRC that you want to talk about maybe briefly summarize it <laughs> um, uh, gosh we had there's there's lots and lots so yeah. it's uh, uh, the demand justice is actually one of is one of my favorite ones yeah. but um, uh, shoot let me think um, uh, well here you, here's here's a fun one because it fits with the Zuckbucks and and it and it has a Hillsdale connection so Yay. anybody here who knows uh, Parker Thayer, who was just graduated this past spring, he had interned for us, and he was so good that as soon as he graduated, we uh, took him on board. And he has been our top guy on the prosecutors around the country, the DAs and other prosecutors that George Soros has helped get elected. Because, you, you know, this is a trick. It doesn't take much money at all to win a, a little local DA race. Those are usually a few hundred thousand yeah. dollars. And that's, you know, that's a rounding error in, uh, in a grant for, uh, for Soros. So Soros has been doing a lot of that. And that some of the very worst in the country, like San Francisco's and Philadelphia's and places that are in, having horrible problems. But something that Parker found that was fabulous, it, well, fabulous as in terms of a journalistic scoop, but disaster for the country is <laughs> that there was a prosecutor, I believe it was in Oregon, 
Uh, and everybody had assumed Soros was the one who gave him the big fat check right at the last minute because that's the smart way to do it. You drop the money at the last second before yeah. the other side has any hope of being able to respond or raise money in return. Everyone assumed it was Soros because it was a horrible left-wing, soft-on-crime mm-hmm. guy. But in fact, Parker discovered it actually was Zuckerberg. Mark Zuckerberg oh was the one dropping the money. So that is was a tremendous scoop for Parker. And our oh. phone's ringing off the hook. Everybody wants his numbers on all the money Soros is, the tens of millions Soros is doing all over the country. But, of course, it's terrible for America because it means that tech billionaires mm-hmm. are now going to get in on this dreadful process. And by the way, it isn't just that prosecutors are evil when they're soft on crime. The same ones... It's, it's the other side, too, the offensive side. Mm-hmm. They can go hurt people as prosecutors Wow. Well, that they shouldn't be hurting. Thank you so much for your time. I so appreciate it. Um, our guest has been Scott Walker of Capital Research Center. Um, I'm Jillian Parks on Radio Free Hillsdale, 101.7 FM.